are listening to Apricity. My name is Sion. I'm your host. Apricity means the warmth of the sun in the winter, and my hope is that this podcast feels like a cup of tea on a cold winter day. Today's episode is a very special one. I am joined by Ella Henry. Ella is a holistic wellness lover who posts beautiful seasonal recipes. You've probably seen her on Instagram or TikTok. She joined me in the studio in LA to record this episode, and she is truly the kindest, most grounded soul, and I really, really enjoyed recording this episode with her. We talk about adding foods back in, practices for good digestion, tips for living with ADHD, slow living, budget-friendly health tips, pulling yourself out of fight or flight. She also is someone who really believes in getting back to the basics and shares all about her gut healing journey, which is something I think a lot of people struggle with. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Yay, I'm so excited. Thank Yay. you so much for coming Me on. Too, of course. I'm honored to be here. Do you want to start with a little intro? Tell us about yourself, where you're from, what you're doing online. Yeah, of course. So I'm originally from San Diego. Grew up there pretty much my whole life. I was actually born in the Bay Area. So it's cool that you lived there for a while. I love it there. And then went to college in LA and then have been here ever since. Online, it started out with just being involved in health and health coaching and then kind of transformed into health advice and recipe creation and just kind of grown from there so it's been super fun and you create these videos that are just so soothing oh to gosh, watch like you. it's like therapy that's me with your voice by the way the nicest compliment <laughs> ever but I feel like you really glow from the inside out like even when I saw you today walking up to the studio I was like she is just shining other people see that with you and that's why they're drawn towards your content because it's very much coming from an authentic place and it's not like health in the means to just look a certain way which I think we're kind of served a lot online these days so I'd love to know how you originally got into health and how you decided to start sharing about it online yeah 100% and I love that you say that because I feel the exact same way I think health to me at first was aesthetics like way long long ago and has transformed more into how you feel and that does show in how you look so I think it all is intertwined I completely agree and I always dealt with gut health issues it started out in high school went to a bunch of doctors but just got doctor fatigue from going to them because I wasn't getting any answers I was just told to cut things out or that I had a UTI which I did not have a UTI so I was just put on more antibiotics and I was just tired from going to the doctor so when I went to college I just kind of started ignoring it thinking it was normal to feel this way and the symptom just got worse and worse and worse till it became debilitating and I really decided that I wanted to take health into my own hands so I just dedicated a lot of time to learning about it and figuring out how to feel better and how to heal. And through that, I realized there wasn't a ton of resources online at the time for myself. And everyone around me was dealing with the same issues, whether that be bloating or digestive problems or just anxiety and things like that. So I thought, okay, well, while I'm learning about this, I might as well start sharing what's working for me. And that's kind of how it started. I feel like that's so common for people who get into holistic health. You were seeing Western medicine doctors, mm -hmm. I'm assuming. Yeah. And they're like, okay, here are all the things you can do. This is what's wrong with you. You're just kind of stuck with it. And then a lot of times people will be like, wait, that's not enough for me. Like, I need more than this. 
I've always been the person to be like, well, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. I have this problem and they're kind of like, well, let's mask the problem. Let's mask the symptom. And I'm like, okay, but why is the symptom happening in the first place? And how can I prevent it from happening later on? And I think that's what drew me so much to holistic health because they really look at things solving from a root cause perspective. It's not a band-aid approach. When I was dealing with the peak of my symptoms, I was taking antibiotics. I was taking Gasex. I was taking Tums. Literally every single one of those things is so detrimental to your yes. health. So I was thinking I was making it better at the time, but in reality, it was just making it so much worse. And how old, how old were you at this time? I mean, I first started getting symptoms in high school. So I was like 16 at the time. And then just from there on, it kept getting worse. I would say it peaked when I was probably about 20. And then as a college student, that's so hard because you're already dealing with the stress of school. Right. The all-nighters, the stimulants, the alcohol, I mean, everything. I can't pinpoint it to one single cause. It ended up being the entire lifestyle I was in and just... I hear that so much with people in college, and I think that's why a lot of people find wellness in college to start with, Mm -hmm. because they're, like, initially getting into partying. I don't know if you were cooking at home, but a lot of times it's like you're having ramen noodles and whatever they're serving in the cafe. was my drug of choice. (laughs) (laughs) Band Express is so good, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, it's like whatever they have on campus. Or the mass-produced sorority food that we would eat, which at the time I thought I was picking all the healthy choices. And then I look back and I'm like, mm, those definitely weren't. Like probably all of those things were cooked in seed oils or like little things that would add up right. over time to my health that I thought like, oh, I was being healthy. I was maybe eating tofu at the time that I thought was good for me. But who knows if that was like, definitely wasn't organic tofu or like sprouted tofu. You know, it's just like little things like that where... I thought I was making healthy choices. In reality, I definitely wasn't. And those just added up over time. And quality is so important. 100%. So even if you're eating, quote unquote, real food, it's like, where is this coming from? Right. What is this cooked in? In the in the moment, you really think you're doing the right thing. And it's hard when you don't have that person there to guide you and tell you, okay, well, maybe this isn't the right thing. But I think that's the beauty of it. I think everyone is in different stages of their health journey. So you look at someone going through this and you realize like that was me at one point and soon enough they're going to learn and pivot and shift and I think that's what's so beautiful about this community too is we're all kind of there to uplift and support each other and no one's judgmental of where people are at in their journeys. No, no, not at all. I think part of the reason so many people stay in the health community that get into it, like I don't really hear people who are like, yeah, I was into health and wellness for three months and then I was done. So true. There's no reason to leave. And also I think once you dive deeper into health a question I get asked a lot is do you have cheat days and for me like I don't even think about cheat days like I'll go out and I'll enjoy myself and I'll have fun and I'm not thinking of that as cheating I'm thinking of that as part of health because when you're going out and having fun that's as much health as eating a healthy meal is you know like health expands so much more than just food and exercise it's hanging out with friends it's laughing it's loving it's all of those things that make you feel good. I think that was a big realization for me in my health journey that I didn't have to have things be black and white, especially if you're someone in your early 20s, you have to live your life too. Yeah. And so I'm very much like intuitive living and holistic health is a part of that, but I still go out and I still have drinks and I'll have a 2 a.m. hot dog. You have to, I mean, that feeds your soul and your health just as much as anything else. And 
the beautiful thing about health is it makes you feel good so that you can do all of those things that make you feel even better. I mean, restriction is not involved at all in my health nowadays. Used to be, I used to not eat so many things and partly because it hurt my stomach, but partly because I thought they were bad for me. And just releasing that quote unquote bad for you mentality like is so freeing and makes yeah. you, I think that's part of the reason my stomach hurt so bad too. Like as much as it was the food, it was my thoughts about the food. Like, oh, this is bad for me. And mentally thinking that is going to not make me feel good as well. Stress plays such a big role. Huge. People don't talk about that often enough that you can eat all the right foods you can exercise the right way quote-unquote the right way everyone's body is different but you know you can be doing all the things but that doesn't get to the root of if you're stressed like my friend she sent me a picture the other day and she was like how crazy is this her skin was completely broken out in the first photo and then that was like a year ago and then today her skin is totally clear and she had a very toxic living situation wow Her skin cleared up and, like, she's fine now, but she wasn't eating any different. Mm -hmm. Her work was the same. Her, like, everything was the same except she was just surrounded by people that just weren't the best for her. Yep. I think that's something that is so true and so relatable because, I mean, what I've started to realize is I'm kind of, like, gotten older, quote-unquote. I'm not that old, but, like, (laughs) something that I realized. An old soul, though. (laughs) Thank you. Is like kind of categorizing energy givers and energy takers. You really start to realize things that drain your energy and you really just start to want to separate yourself from those things more and more and just really fill yourself with things that are going to give your energy. I mean, obviously there's always going to be things that drain your energy. We can't escape that. But when you start to look at things in that lens and actively choose things that give you energy, you feel so much better. Yeah. What are some of your energy givers and takers? So that's a good question. I mean... Every time I'm with my family or friends and laughing and present where we aren't on our phones, that's the biggest energy giver in the world. I think the best feeling ever is when you're hanging out with someone and you leave and you feel like excited, like you want to go do something. I mean, I've had that feeling both ways. I've had it where I feel so good and happy and excited. And then I've had it where I'm like, oh my God, I just need to go to bed right now. Like that was so exhausting. So just recognizing those feelings and choosing more of those things that you feel excited by. I mean, it's the best. Another one, I mean, I love being out in nature. Every time I'm, like, in the present moment and time is going by quickly, like, that's when you realize, like, those things are really giving you energy. Like, you're not thinking about things. You're not overthinking things. You're not stressing. You're just happy in the present moment, and those are the best moments ever. That's so true. Yeah. I've never thought of it that way, but that's such a good point. Energy takers, you said being around certain people where you feel tired after. What else? Right. I think... Anytime I'm scrolling on my phone, that's always an energy drainer, and it can just be such a time suck in a bad way. Like, I'll realize I never feel good after. I'm in the moment scrolling, 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 and then after, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm exhausted. Or if I'm just, like, sedentary all day, I'm exhausted. So anything I can do to kind of just, like, get out of my apartment, it's really easy. As we were talking about, I live alone, so it's easy to just kind of, like, be there and not leave. So kind of just pushing myself out of my comfort zone is always... Even though you don't feel like you want to do it, you always feel so much better after. Social media, it's designed to make you think that everything else out there is better than where you're at. Yep, yep. And we're also, I mean, something else that I realized, and I, I, th- I don't know who I heard this from, but I thought it was so true. You start comparing yourself so much when you're on social media, and you're comparing the worst version of yourself to the best version of someone else. And that's just, I mean, it's the truest statement ever. You have no idea what's going on in that person's life. They're posting their best moments, so... 
you just start comparing yourself in this unhealthy way and it's just it's a spiral but that's why i love what you're doing so much because i feel like your page is a safe space for people it's you in your kitchen like making a great recipe or giving just like tips for at home you posted that when people come to your house you have like a fuzzy sock bin (laughs) that people can choose from And I told my dad about that. I was like, that is such a great idea because we're like a no-shoe household too. Mm -hmm. But then like someone's walking around with their toes out. (laughs) (laughs) Like Like, I won't be able to be comfortable. You don't have to (laughs) Yeah, like no one look at my feet right now. But (laughs) like we'll have like dinner parties and it's like awkward being like, okay, everyone like shoes off. So we're doing the fuzzy sock bin. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. At his house now. And he was like, tell your friend that was a great idea. I'm like, (laughs) okay, just coming on the podcast, I'll tell her. amazing yeah yeah but I love what you're doing and I love that you're just really real about like what you go through and what's going on with you and I think that like I said earlier it's like you have to get to a point where you've like felt alone at some point do you think with your wellness journey you have had to be alone in order to get to the place where you're creating a space for other people totally I think it was a struggle honestly especially in college when you're just feeling so terrible but you're also trying to have fun and go out all the time and do all of these things and keep up with your friends and go to these dinners and I've I've never been one to try and bring down the group and be like I'm not feeling well so you do kind of bottle it up which also I think adds to the symptoms because when you're not releasing those emotions or talking about those things like those do build up in your body and kind of manifest into physical symptoms so I definitely had that point um And that's why I started creating, too, because I did find this incredible community. And I also realized once I did start talking about it more, so many people relate. And I think so often we think we're the only ones dealing with these things when it's so much more universal than we think. So sometimes just talking about it, talking to someone is the best thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being vulnerable is so hard, especially when you're younger. It's hard to show like, oh, I'm struggling with something. And this is what's going on with me. And college is such a lighthearted culture. You were in a sorority, you said. Mm -hmm. When you're like in that setting, everyone's like, I just want to like go out. I don't want to talk about these things. Right. Yeah, no, totally. And I did, I found my people. And when I did talk about it, everyone related. And yeah, you just kind of have to start talking. I think it can feel so scary being vulnerable, like you said, but it actually helps a lot of people when you're vulnerable because it makes people want to be more vulnerable and it creates a space for everyone. So if you can be that person who can speak up, I think it's really special in so many different kind of areas of life that that fits. Yeah. So when you were going through your, it was gut health mainly that you struggled with, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Was there other things too with your health that you were going through at the same time? think when your gut is imbalanced for so long everything kind of becomes imbalanced so I mean I struggled with hormone health I didn't have my period for two years but yeah it was it was mainly gut health and then it just was it led to hormone brain fog kind of all of those main symptoms yeah what did you find helped you I found a naturopath that listened to me which was huge (laughs) And she did all the right tests. By that point, I had kind of self-diagnosed myself with everything because I had done so much research on my own. But finding someone who was really knowledgeable in that space to kind of work alongside me was really, really helpful. So did those tests. I worked with her, really committed to this kind of lifestyle, and that changed my life, to be honest. And from that, I think 
you have to be really strict when you're going through these like certain protocols like when it's like at the peak of it when when your health is at the worst and so I think that was hard too because for me now health is all about kind of balance but when you're in those like strict protocols you can't have balance like you can't do certain things and so that was really hard so once I got out of that that's I feel like I feel like each month you learn something new through health kind of thing like you become a different person and so now I'm so much more about balance and feeling good and health is so much more than kind of like what we we're talking about earlier like health is so much more than the food you're eating and the exercise you're doing like it, it is truly holistic and you have to look at it through that lens but finding a doctor that will listen to you when you're struggling or just finding a health coach or someone who will listen to you is so huge if you're feeling lost because just having someone who validates how you're feeling is just like the biggest weight off your back you know your body better than anyone else does you know when something is off and to have a doctor not validate that and then you start doubting yourself you're like am is this normal like am I supposed to feel this way and then that creates so much distrust with listening to your body which I think is a huge part of health being intuitive and listening to your body is so important and when you start doubting your own symptoms and doubting listening to your own body that just creates so much distrust within yourself and that's something you have to heal from as well. So if you feel like someone is not listening to you and just kind of ignoring your symptoms and not asking you the questions that are about your lifestyle and really like show a genuine interest in how you feel, find someone new. I went through, I think, four four thyroid doctors until yeah. I found one that actually listened to me. Yeah. And I started having thyroid issues when I was 13, which is so young. And every single doctor was like, you're depressed, you have depression. I was like, something is wrong. And then I finally found a doctor who, she combines Western and holistic practices, but she did like a full panel on me and she was like, your T3 is off, your T4 is off, your vitamin D is low. Like there were so many things. And eventually, like you said, you peel back layers month by month and eventually I came off antidepressants. Eventually my weight went to a more normal place. I stopped having like the big ups and downs. I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be a normal person again. It's almost like you start celebrating when you get a real diagnosis because you're like, I knew something was wrong with me and finally I can see it and it's real and now we can move forward. Exactly. So what was the protocol that this doctor had you do to heal your gut? Because I know so many people struggle with gut health. So I ended up having SIBO, leaky gut, really bad inflammation in my gut, a couple other things. So the first thing we targeted was the SIBO. I had two types of SIBO. I think it was think hydrogen and methane SIBO. And so it was kind of a killing protocol treatment at first. I had extreme histamine intolerance along with the SIBO. So I had to go on a low FODMAP protocol along with a no histamine protocol, which if anyone has been on that, it is the most brutal, brutal, not beautiful, brutal (laughs) thing in the world because you basically, there's not really anything you can eat. And then you're also on these really strong herbals. So it's like oregano, thyme, all of these herbals to kill the SIBO. And it's, it's tough. I was on that for about two months. And then after that, we went into the gut healing because when you're on those strong herbals for so long and then not eating any diversity of food, your gut is basically just so depleted. It kills all the bad, but it kills some of the good too. So then you kind of have to rebuild your gut, seal the leaky gut. So then we went into that phase. So it was starting to reintegrate the diversity of nutrients, start taking things to heal the lining of the gut start populating my microbiome with good bacteria again. So then it was that phase and 
Oh, another thing I did was I had mold toxicity, so I had to do a mold detox protocol with her as well, which was another kind of root cause of my SIBO. And so after all of, all of those protocols, I mean, even within like three weeks of the protocol, I was feeling better. But after like a few months, I was feeling so much better. I was feeling like myself again. And then it's just kind of reintegrating your lifestyle like back into it, which is scary after kind of being on this protocol for so long, not eating so many things for so long. You're kind of scared to start bringing everything back in. But after that, it was just kind of reintegrating into my life. And it's it's been great. Yeah, the SIBO diet is intense. But also, sometimes you have to do the tough stuff in the beginning of healing to right. get to that place. Right. It gets worse before it gets better, for sure. And this was my protocol. I mean, not everyone is the same. Some people don't have to go on this protocol. Some people don't have to cut anything out. And it's different for every single person. I'm the same way as you now. Like, I don't restrict anything. I eat literally everything, cheese, gluten, all of the above. And it just, it's, I never thought I would get here. I mean... I was dairy and gluten-free for almost eight years because I cut it out in high school, thinking that I had gluten and lactose intolerance, which I probably did, but crazy thing about food intolerances is they can be healed through healing your gut, which is so amazing. But I understand being in the thick of it too, and it feels like it's never going to be over, but there's a happy ending at the end. Were you in college when you were in the thick of it? Symptoms-wise, yes. And then, yeah, I believe it was my senior year, either my senior year or the year after I graduated, I did the full-on protocol. So... It was, it was hard because, I mean, I couldn't drink, I couldn't eat things, I couldn't do anything, and everyone knew I was on it, so everyone was super supportive, which was nice. It's really nice having a support system, but it's hard going through it alone. Yeah. For anyone in listening who might be just struggling with digestion, do you have any tips for someone who maybe is like, okay, I don't know if I have SIBO, but like I get really bloated sometimes, or my stomach hurts? Yes, totally. I mean, it goes back to stress always, like we were talking about. I think stress is the main cause. How you eat is just important as what you eat. So think about how are you eating your food? Are you eating in a super rushed and distracted state? Because your body's going to be in fight or flight and it's not going to be digesting food properly. So when you're eating, it's really important to get into that rest and digest state before you eat your meals. Sometimes that looks like taking three deep belly breaths before your meal eating in a non-distracted state, not eating right after a workout or right after you do something stressful, eating outside, like near nature, that can really lower your cortisol, which is really wonderful. And then another thing that has helped me is taking digestive enzymes or bitters about 30 minutes before meals. And then also not drinking water while I'm eating my meals has really helped because sometimes that can mess with your stomach acid and digesting food properly. Yeah, those are all super, super helpful. I love what you said about needing to be also emotionally regulated because I think so many times people don't realize the reason they're eating super fast or the reason that they're not feeling the best after they eat is because they're not actually chewing their food. They're not actually paying attention while they eat and Mm -hmm. it's wild that we've drifted so far away from we used to all sit down at a table to have meals yeah I was just in Italy and it was I mean I never got bloated never had digestive issues and nothing like that and I think a big part of it is because you sit and you're present with your meals you eat for over an hour you have these like pre-dinner digestives or whatever it is you walk after your meal it's just such it's an experience versus just kind of like shoveling the food down into your mouth and I think that part of it is really special and I think we should bring that back. I mean, I know we live in this hustle culture and it's kind of like grab and go and whatever you can do, fit it in and eat, but it's, it's not good for us. Do you feel that slowing down the way you live 
has been a part of healing your gut too? A hundred percent. I mean, at the peak of my issues, I was, it was hustle, hustle, hustle. It was pulling all nighters. It was doing all this stuff. And I, I mean, it was, I was passionate, but it was, it was, you have to slow down. I mean, it's not sustainable, you know, you have to take take a deep breath and kind of realize, yeah, slowing down is really important. I think slow living is something that I try to integrate more in my life every single day. Me too. It's hard though. <laughs> it's I mean, so we're, hard. We're trained to just kind of go, 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 go. And at least for me, when I'm just sitting, I feel anxious sometimes. I'm like, I'm not being productive right now. I should be getting something done. I should be doing this. And it's, you have to rewire your brain to saying like, resting is healthy because you're resting up for when you do have to do something productive. You literally have to change your thoughts in that moment because I mean, you have to rest. You can't go, go, go. It's not sustainable. So yeah, I mean, slow living has been really integral, but I'm still rewiring my brain to think that way every single day. Yeah. And it's hard too, when you first are trying to get into that slower pace of living because our brains, when they're used to something, will fight against you to go back to whatever the habit is. 100%. Like, I went to this breathwork class last night, and I laid down on the mat the second we closed our eyes. I was feeling anxious when I walked in there, but I didn't realize how dysregulated my nervous system was from driving in L.A. traffic. I mean, L.A. traffic alone. The drive here, I was like, <laughs> my cortisol was like through the roof. <laughs> I'm just, like, so aware and the people, like, switching lanes on the freeway. I, I can't yeah. really be more. I mean, it's hard. Just, like, you do have to take time to go to those breathwork classes and to do the cold plunges and to do all the things that will help regulate your nervous system. But I think that a lot of the times the reason people won't do that is because they feel the resistance against it when they first try to do it. It's oddly uncomfortable to be out of fight or flight because yeah. we're so used to being in fight or flight. So when we aren't, we're like, we don't know what to do with ourselves. And we kind of just try and run straight into that. Our minds start thinking, our heart starts racing, whatever it is. And I mean, you have to literally say to yourself, fight or flight is not the mode I want to be. And I know it's the mode I'm comfortable in, but you got to get out of your comfort zone. And when we're in fight or flight and we don't take that time to pull ourselves out of it, we end up needing to numb ourselves with something. Mm -hmm. I was working a job that was really, really high stress. I worked nine to seven. I was so dysregulated working there. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start running because that's the only way I can get the stress out of my body. It took me getting injured to realize that actually this is not a sustainable way of living for me. And this is not a sustainable way to manage my stress. Running is so great for you. And some people can run 20 miles a week. But for me, it was coming from a place of like, I'm so incredibly stressed out and can't regulate my nervous system. It's the only thing I know how to do. And it was just putting more stress on my body. So yeah, I think it can be really addictive to be in that fight or flight mode. And then when we don't take time to pull ourselves out of it, really what I needed was to like meditate, was to like slow down, not do something that's even more fast paced. I've been there. Yeah. I used to be addicted to those HIIT workouts. I mean, the adrenaline and endorphins it gives you is a drug like no other for real. I, I would do them every single day, but at the same time, I wasn't getting my period. I was having heart palpitations. I was anxious. I was stressed. And then that would be my outlet. And it was honestly like this constant toxic cycle where it's like you're stressed and then you do this and then it stresses out your body more. And yeah, I think, I mean, it's something that I love that you talk about is cycle syncing and really leaning into your cycle and your phase and those workouts and listening to your body. And 
leaning into that has truly changed my life and it's allowed me to kind of really listen to my body and the signals it's telling me our bodies have so much wisdom 100 percent, i love that yeah you're the same way as me it's like asking questions why it's happening and instead of getting mad at yourself for why it's happening it's like tuning in and saying okay well this is happening and i accept that so what can i do to make myself feel better yeah And I just realized I didn't ask you, what is your sun, moon, and rising in astrology? Okay, so I should know this because I fully did a reading with this beautiful woman in Costa Rica a few years ago, but I still, I only remember my main one and it's Virgo. Your Virgo sun. Yes, I'm Virgo sun. And I wish that I could remember the other two because it makes me so mad. I tried looking it up on the way here, but I didn't remember my exact birth time. But I did I did a full reading one time, and it was the coolest thing ever. I mean, I'm fascinated by astrology, and it is something that I'm curious about. I just know nothing about. Do you align with being a Virgo? Do you think that fits you? I think so. Yeah, I, parts of it. Sometimes I see things that I'm like, mm. But yeah, I, I definitely think so. There's certain parts of being a Virgo where I'm like, wow, that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. What are you? I'm a Capricorn. Okay, cool. So we're very compatible as oh, friends. Amazing. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Capricorn, <laughs> I know neither am I. Capricorn and Virgo are very similar. Oh my gosh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I thought maybe you were like a Libra with like a I'm right on the cusp. Oh you are. Yeah, we'll maybe. do your we'll do your chart. Yeah, when, we have to. When and you, you find out help me read it. I'll tell you all about it. I would love that. Find out your birth time and okay. we'll get on it. Yeah, Virgos are very I mean, I'm sure you've heard hardworking. Mm-hmm. Do you know what trait they associate Virgo with? I always see type A, a little bit of OCD, like hardworking. Those are like the ones that come to mind that I see online and stuff, but I I don't know like much of them too much. Another one that I think is interesting that you're doing right now is a lot of Virgos are great teachers. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. What do you suggest for someone who is wanting to incorporate things back into their diet? Yes. Okay, this is a big one. I get asked this one all the time, especially with dairy and gluten, because I think that was a big thing. Everyone should cut out dairy and gluten. First of all, like a lot of food intolerances come from gut issues. So go figure out what your gut issues are first. And that can be a ton of different causes. It can be stress. It can be environmental. It can be antibiotics. I mean, it could be so many different things. A lot of people who have gut issues have leaky gut. Mm -hmm. So addressing that leaky gut Oftentimes, when you address leaky gut, your food intolerances will go away. If your body starts craving something, I say listen to that craving. I mean, I didn't eat meat for years, and I started craving meat, and I was so scared. I was like, this is a weird feeling. Like, I haven't eaten meat for so long. I started slow. I mean, I started with bone broth. I didn't start just, like, cooking raw meat right away because I was not comfortable with that. So make sure you ease into it. Be comfortable with it. Really listen to your body. Track how you're feeling when you do start integrating things. And... I think when you do integrate it, make sure you know the source of where you're getting this food because I think that's huge. Tracing back the quality of the food, what's going into the food. So for example, for meat, a big thing for me is consciously consuming meat. So trying to choose regenerative meat is a huge thing where they're raised on family farms where they're loved and grass-fed and grass-finished and pasture-raised like as nature intended. For bread, I, I eat a lot of fermented bread and sourdough and non-processed wheat and things like that dairy a lot of raw dairy so I think the sources of things really matter I think if I just jumped into eating like white bread from the box I would not feel as good as if I did what I'm doing but 
Yeah, just being really conscious of the source of your food, going slow, listening to your body, tracking your symptoms and how you feel. Try not to overload it at first because your body's not going to be used to it. And I also think like using some sort of digestive bitters or enzymes and then following what we talked about earlier, like making sure you're in rest and digest state when you are eating these foods. Totally. Totally. Yeah, I agree with you. When I started incorporating things back in, I was vegan, gluten-free, dairy, like literally everything free at one point. (laughs) It's like, what was I eating? I don't even know. Just like nuts and seeds, (laughs) which actually made me feel so much worse. I know. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Like looking back on things and I would eat like these cheeses that were made from like all these ingredients that weren't real food and having so many nuts and I was like why is my skin breaking out and just crazy when you're like okay just getting back to the basics exactly no it's so true we all go through those phases and it ends up it ends up good do you get most of your stuff from the farmer's market or where would you suggest people source things yeah I love the farmer's market meeting your farmers I think a great budget-friendly way to get a ton of fresh produce is joining a CSA. So it's a community-supported agriculture, and it can range from 20 to $50 a week, and they send you a huge box of beautiful, fresh, seasonal produce. I think that's a great way to get connected to your local farm and produce and kind of trace where your food is coming from, which I think is so important as well. Farmer's market is huge. Yeah, and talk to talk to the farmers at your farmer's market. It makes such a big difference when you're talking to them. You learn about the farm. You know where your food is coming from. Local stores, you need, like, I, I don't know if people have sprouts near them or stores like that. I know, I mean, Air One is a little bit crazy expensive, but yeah. that has some good <laughs> items there as well. So, yeah, I think... You yeah. go there for specialty things. Yeah, exactly. Trader Joe's has some organic stuff, too. They yeah. have some good quality stuff, too. Yeah, I think you start to realize as you grow up when you, you have to go to, like, five different grocery stores to get everything <laughs> yes. you need. You can't just go to one place. No, that's so true. Yeah, I love the farmer's market for, like, that's where I get my meat. That's where I'll yeah. get, like, you know, my weird bread that I have. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, like, little specific things. And then, yeah, you can find good like spaghetti squash at Trader Joe's like stuff like that yeah yeah but it is a lot of effort and I think that's what wellness is it's like you change your entire way you approach your lifestyle but you're doing it because you're living with intention yep that's the key right there is if you really do want to make a shift and kind of dive into this world setting your intention is the number one thing that you have to do before anything because if you don't set that intention and that why then it's not going to be sustainable Do you have any tips for someone who's wanting to better their health? Yes. So a big thing that we were kind of talking about is going back to the basics. And that's something I try to preach because, I mean, you could take all of the supplements in the world, but if you're not addressing the basic signals of health, then it's not going to do anything. So there's like a few things that I would say is sunlight, getting sunlight in the morning and before you go to bed reconnecting with nature, whether that be just getting off your couch and going for a walk, grounding is so wonderful, just getting off that screen, I think. Walking barefoot. Walking barefoot is, I mean, you connect to the earth, it's, it's, there's something so special about it, it literally re-energizes you right then and there, and it's incredible. Eating seasonal local foods, like we were talking about, getting quality sleep is so, so important, and I've kind of, like, transformed my apartment into making my sleep quality, so, for example, I'll turn off all of the bright fluorescent lights. I'll wear my blue light glasses if I do have to be on my phone, but I'll try and stay off screens, turn on the red lights. makes a huge difference in your sleep health, and I think that's really important. So does waking up and getting sunlight or like a light movement in the morning. 
movement in general is really key. So getting up and moving your body, I think with the work from home schedule, we're often so sedentary all day and that can really mess with you. And then also just like finding something that ignites your creativity, gets you out of your comfort zone is really, really important. Spending time with loved ones and laughing. So all of those things are kind of the basics of health, I would say. And once you start addressing those things, it makes a really big difference in your life. And all those things are so simple. I think we overcomplicate health so much and there is so much noise online. Even if you follow someone's lifestyle that's really healthy to the T, it might not work out for you because we all are so different. And there's billions of different factors that can affect that. Your environment, your social life, your, your job, we're all so different. So you have to find what works for you. Everyone's blueprint is different. Yeah. Supplementation is great, but if you can get that stuff in food, you don't even need to take those supplements. Yeah, I think we feel a symptom and our like initial thought is, okay, what can I outsource to feel better? But oftentimes the answer is right inside of us. So instead of trying to outsource and buy something that's going to fix it right away, instead take that moment to kind of evaluate your life, ask yourself questions, ask yourself why you're feeling this way. And majority of the time, you know the answer already. Speaking of supplements, do you have supplements that you take every day? Yes, I do. But I don't need to, is the thing. So I'm not reliant on them. I used to think I needed to take all of these supplements every single day. Um, But now I realize like they're optimizing my life and making them better, but I'm not reliant on them. So I take colostrum, which has been like amazing for kind of maintaining and not getting leaky gut again vitamin C, liposomal vitamin C, I take every day, minerals every day, so whether that be like shilajit or like through bone broth or raw milk or fruit juices. I mean, there's so many ways you can get your minerals, but sometimes it's easy to just kind of do the supplementation way. So I have like these little packets that have minerals in them that I'll put in my water. You can also just do sea salt. Oh, magnesium is a huge one. I love magnesium. I feel like yeah. it's changed my sleep. It's changed my digestion. It's changed my mood. So magnesium is a huge one. A lot of us are really magnesium deficient, so it's kind of a mineral that everyone needs. Especially if you drink coffee, because that depletes your magnesium, which I didn't know that. Yeah. Coffee in general, too, is like a big, like, I mean, I cut out coffee for a year, and I felt amazing. I was only drinking matcha. Um, Now I drink coffee almost every day, but I've realized I don't feel the same way as I used to when I drink coffee, because I've completely changed the coffee I drink, so you have to realize like what's going into your coffee is crazy if you're drinking coffee every day and not knowing where it's coming from a lot of coffee can be riddled with pesticides or mycotoxins and mold and you're basically like just drinking a cup of cortisol and pesticides which can make you have that crash make you not feel good so kind of like changing the coffee that i drink making sure it's from a good source and then also making sure i eat a protein-packed breakfast before i have that coffee or I put egg yolks in my coffee, which is a new thing I've been doing, and then not drinking coffee past 12 and also waiting at least 90 minutes before I wake up to have coffee. Wait, I want to hear more about this egg yolks in your coffee. It's my obsession. It's actually my obsession. Is it really good? good? It's so good. It is so creamy. This girl on Instagram I found the recipe from, and I've, I, I, this is why I drink coffee every day, because I am literally addicted. <laughs> it's the coffee. I just make homemade cold brew the night before. And then I blend together the coffee with egg yolks, vanilla, and maple syrup. 
Oh, and then yeah. pour that over ice, and then I pour raw milk, and it's literally just like a creamy milkshake, oh, and so you're getting protein, you're getting vitamins, you're getting minerals, yeah, and you're getting that caffeine, and it's it's the best thing ever. I'm trying this tomorrow you morning. Have to. Like it's I'm not delicious. even kidding. It <laughs> sounds amazing. It's so good. What you said is so true. How you drink your coffee is so important. You just have to have something. And yeah. for me, it's I always do like a high protein breakfast just yeah. so my blood sugar is not all over the place all day That's long. That's changed my life too, by the way. Getting Having a high protein breakfast. Yes, crazy. Changes your energy. It changes your entire day. Used to be like, oh, I'm not hungry. I'm not going to have anything. And now I'm just like, I'm, I'm eating first thing I wake up. And it, it's crazy how much of a difference it makes, especially if you can eat that meal like outside and in that like rest and digest state like you will have the best day ever also your metabolism is strongest in the morning exactly like yeah. your body is meant to eat first thing in the morning i skipped breakfast every single day and i would eat late at night because i was so hungry yeah and now my sleep is so much better if you just like you know have an earlier dinner yeah then you will be hungry in the morning like exactly. you will <laughs> no, just like getting sunlight in the morning resets your circadian rhythm, so does that first bite of food. It resets your circadian rhythm. Each organ in your body has a circadian clock, so eating that breakfast first thing in the morning starts that clock on all of your organs. It gets them to working, and it makes sense why you have so much energy and feel so good throughout the day. Completely agree with you, too, on the eating dinner earlier note. I mean, I'm all about listen to your body. Don't restrict, like, if you are hungry and you still had a big breakfast. Like, obviously, we all vary, but... I've noticed like a huge impact on my sleep and my digestion and my energy when I eat an earlier dinner because if I eat a dinner and then go to bed straight after it's just like my body is all out of whack because instead of focusing on restorative sleep it's focusing on digesting my food all throughout the night. Right. Yeah. I did that last night actually. I had dinner at like 9 p.m. You literally have a food hangover. Yeah. I had it this morning. I was like, I feel <laughs> off. Like something is off. Yeah. Okay. Current routines and practices lighting you up in this season of your life. I'm obsessed with a slow morning. So I don't do this every day, but at least once a week, I'll wake up one to two hours earlier than I normally do and just kind of set that time for myself and for myself only. So no going into work, no going like straight onto my phone, no jumping straight into the world because I feel like a lot of times when you wake up a little bit later, you're like, okay, I need to go straight into work, I need to start the day and just kind of the spiral of stress and hustle and all of that. So when you give yourself that intentional space, it's just, it's the most like healing, restorative time and you could do whatever you want during this space. You can do a super elaborate wellness routine. You can just kind of sit and rest and journal. You can go for a walk. You can do whatever you want. Just it's you time. And I think that has been so, it's, it's just been the most amazing time for me. And you have the best day after because you're like, I set time for myself and that time was important and it was intentional. And now I can give, now I can work, now I can do different things throughout my day and you have the energy to do that. I love what you said. It's like you're making time for you, mm -hmm. which when you treat yourself well, you show up in the world so much happier, so much better. When you like wake up and you do that scroll, it's like, just such a, starting your day on such a different note. A hundred percent. And where you get that first hit of dopamine is where you'll be sourcing that dopamine for the rest of the day. We can do the speed round of questions that your followers oh, yeah. ask. We can just like pick five or six of them and answer them together. One of them is, can you start sharing some budget-friendly health ideas? I think kind of addressing that was what we started with before was look up CSAs in your area community supported agriculture is they have them in most places and 
they basically send you a huge box of produce weekly, seasonal produce, and a great way to find one too, you can look it up online, CSA near you, but also go to your farmer's market and collect and connect with those local farmers. I think it's it's a great way to kind of get involved as well. Yeah. Um, what about you? What do you think? I agree with that. I think also for me, planning what I'm making yes. saves a lot of money. Totally. The way I look at it is like, I love cooking so much. No one has like the money to make an elaborate meal for every single meal. Right. For example, most mornings I have very inexpensive breakfast like it's literally just i'll have goat yogurt or oats with protein like eggs or something like that like really really simple maybe like some banana with that or whatever fruit i've decided to buy that week but i think just going on a week by week basis or like my salads that i make or like i get arugula and packet turkey like turkey that's in a packet which is like really easy way to get protein or rotisserie chicken not expensive planning around that and then I'll be like okay my more fancy meal I'm having for dinner that I'm gonna like take time to make is gonna be this and then I'll have a good pasta the other night you know simple simple things yeah I love that I think someone else asked a similar question how do I start cooking for meals and I think like that was a great way that you explained it like if you're intimidated by like cooking your meals at home Planning and organization is so helpful in the beginning of the week. Like, literally spend a day, write out your grocery list, pick out a few meals that you want to cook throughout the week, and just do meal... Not I don't even do meal prep because you might crave different things throughout the week, but making things meal ready on one day. So whether that be just peeling your garlic or pre-chopping your veggies or cleaning your veggies, just, like, getting out those extra steps out of the way kind of makes it so much more easy to cook those meals throughout the day. Totally. Yeah. Something that... I love to do that I think is really helpful. Most of my meals, I have a protein, I have a carb, I have a fat. Fat, I'll get like hummus, I'll get avocado, like I'll get things that are really, I don't have to make, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then I will do a big sheet pan veggies to like just throw on top of things throughout the week. I love that. So like you could put chickpeas, you could put mushrooms, you can put broccoli, you can put carrots you know whatever brussels sprouts whatever you're craving throw that in the oven on a sunday and just have a big thing of that that you can put on salads or in bowls and then make some type of carb so like the carb could be sweet potato it could be rice it could be quinoa i always have a big thing of like quinoa in my fridge so i can put it in my salads or a bowl and when you do that it's actually really easy to like throw together healthy meals totally i love that you could do the same things with protein Mm -hmm. just cook it in the beginning of the week and just have it cooked and ready to go and then you have like so many different meals that you can just throw together because it is overwhelming when you're first getting into healthy eating yeah okay this one's interesting i feel like you would you would have good input on this as well and it's kind of something we covered but they said how to deal with feeling too empathetic slash feeling as though you give out more than you receive and i think a big thing with that is it sounds like you're giving yourself to a lot of energy drainers and you're not giving yourself enough energy and focusing on yourself. So I think a great place to start is writing a list of things that give you energy and start incorporating those things into your everyday. And then also just doing something like a slow morning or doing like an hour of intentional you time, whenever that is throughout the week, but just making sure you can literally schedule in your calendar intentional you time. And I love that. I think that's great. Something I have had to realize is not everyone is going to be able to meet you emotionally on the level you're on. Mm-hmm. People will only 
be able to meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. And a lot of the times when people aren't giving you as much emotionally, it's not because they're mean or bad people. It's just that they maybe haven't gotten to that level. And something that has helped me not take that personally when I feel like I give so much to someone is being like, okay, what areas do they give to me though? Like, what are they doing for me? We're all so different. People aren't going to feel things the same way that, but also just surrounding yourself with people who can meet you where you need to be met emotionally. I think you feel good and uplift you. Yeah. That is a really hard thing to do to remove yourself from relationships that You might love someone, but they're not making you feel good or they're not uplifting you. And there's so many people in this world that can do that for you. So, like, why waste your time on someone who can't? We're so fearful of communicating our feelings and our thoughts and communicate that to someone and see how they respond. Give them the chance to respond and make you feel good before you cut someone off, too. Communicating is key in all relationships as well. So true. One of my the sayings that actually drives me insane is if he wanted to, he would. Yeah. Because that is true to a point. Like, people will just do things if they want to. But they can't read your mind. The but they don't, time. yeah, they can't <laughs> read your mind. And, like, the key to having healthy relationships is communicating with people and telling them, like, hey, like, I, I really need this thing or I want this thing. And then that's when you can say if he wanted to, he would. Right. After you've talked about right. it. 100%. And also... At the same time, I think we're so often expecting so much, and then you realize, like, are you being that person that you want them <laughs> yes. to be? Like, are you doing all those things that you that want is from them? So, that is so true. <laughs> that is so true. But, yeah, there's so much strength in being an empathetic or soft person. And 100%. I think no matter what, like, even if someone can't reciprocate that with you, lead by example, live by example, because turning off your feelings or trying to numb them, like, you came into this world that way and that's how you are and so I think embrace that and know that that's a strength and not a weakness love that yep it's a superhero it's superpower yeah couldn't agree more since you've revamped your diet over the years have you noticed any metabolic changes I mean a hundred percent my my metabolism was so out of whack when I was at the peak of my health issues and I also fluctuated weight a lot I mean when I was like at my thinnest when I was really struggling with food I noticed that I could also just really quickly gain weight and I think that was the perception of myself too that negative perception of myself so maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought but now I just feel so much more like consistent and when I listen to my body I can eat whenever I want and then not work out and still feel good in my body and still feel healthy as long as I'm listening to it so I think that yeah I mean a healthy lifestyle completely changes your metabolism I relate to that so much I was actually thinking about this the other day like I used to because I was so inconsistent with my eating and I've I've talked a lot about it on the podcast but I struggled with disordered eating for a long time and your body works on a schedule and so when you go through these periods of like starving it and then not feeding it and then it, it just messes with your body so much and now that I eat consistently and I listen to what my body is telling me there's there's a mutual trust between like my mind and my body that wasn't there and that comes out in having strong digestion and not feeling like it's the last time I'm ever going to eat. That's a big thing I've noticed is my hunger cues with years, like it takes time, it really does take time, but my hunger cues have come back so much and so if you're 
struggling right now just know that it takes time like I had a refeeding period after struggling with restriction where I could not stop eating because I was yeah. so hungry yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you had that but it was like my body was like oh my god we're we're not like starving ourselves let's eat everything and, and eventually your cues will come back yeah and it's building trust with your body too and really listening like you said listening to your body like for example like I know right before you get your period sometimes you'll be like way hungrier but you'll be really like you won't have energy to work out so I think a lot of people fall into this oh my god like I'm eating so much more now I have to work out more but in reality it's like tune into those symptoms listen to your body eat those nourishing meals make yourself feel good and rest your body if your body is tired listen to that it needs rest it's telling you something also in your luteal phase you actually burn more calories right before your period it's like there's a reason there's a reason you're hungry yeah Yeah. your body knows more than you think yeah and I think we're so taught to not listen to what our bodies are telling us but for example if you're craving sugar your body like if you're wanting like cookies and stuff like that your body needs protein you really want bitter foods like your liver needs help like our bodies are so smart so just like tuning into that yeah I, I remember my friend was telling me this story she was all of a sudden after years of not eating meat was like craving a steak more than anything and she was like what is going on got her blood levels tested and she was so low on iron her body was just telling her like you need iron and it was telling her to eat that steak and I think that just tells you all that you need to know like your body knows exactly what you need yeah okay someone said how to manage ADHD something that has really helped me is not over committing to too many things Mm -hmm. And, like, time blocking how long it's going to take me to do things and how long it's setting reminders because I can't, like, I can't rely on myself to just, like, know when to leave. Like, I will set alarms when I have to leave to go somewhere so then I have enough time. And also another thing that has really helped me recently is getting into organization, having a place to put everything. Yes. Time blocking is, like so huge because at least for me like I will start doing a task and then I see something and then I start doing that task and then I start doing and then it's like I have 10 unfinished tasks but if in your calendar you say this is time dedicated to this and that's all I can work on and then the next thing is this kind of like programs your brain to be like okay this is what I need to be focusing on right now and then this will be the next thing it's like you can't be doing 20 things at the same time do you ever struggle with ADHD burnout a hundred percent Yes, and that's another big thing is I think sometimes you just need to step away and take a break for yourself. You can't feel guilty about resting or going on these breaks because you'll come back better than ever. Yeah. You need it. ADHD, I think, can be a superpower too. ADHD gives you obsession, which is like such a superpower. So I think leaning into it, for me, I will heavily focus on the task at hand and then I completely like step back from it. I can't like be half in half out that's good I like that yeah I think another thing for me is like the thoughts that come with it so it's like like these thoughts will spiral into a million different thoughts at all times so just when you can like focusing on breath work and meditation and different like stress relieving activities I think are super beneficial just to help quiet your mind as well yeah yeah slowing the mind down is huge and There's also so many things you can take for ADHD that are natural to just help support it, like mushrooms. Mushrooms are amazing. Yeah, like, I mean, I put, like, I have, like, lion's mane, cordyceps. I have those, like, rainbow tinctures. I actually brought you. That just reminded me. I brought you 
like three of my favorite. Like, so I brought you longevity mushrooms. Stop. I brought you magnesium, and I brought you golden mind. Wait, you're the like sweetest your... person in the world. <laughs> it like helps you focus and it helps your mind and stuff. So okay. I forgot that I brought this. Thank <laughs> you so much. Wait, that's before the podcast help us focus. But wait, that is so <laughs> kind. Oh my gosh, I. The mushrooms okay. Reminded what me. if I just told you that you are not the first person to bring me mushrooms in the no studio? <laughs> Sam Sam came on the podcast and she brought me mushrooms too. That is amazing. If there's one type of girl in this world I trust, it's a mushroom girly. Yes. It's the mushroom girls like above everyone. Else. 100%. Us three need to hang out. I actually yes. ran into Sam at a farmer's market and that's the first time I met her. Oh my gosh, she's the sweetest person. She's we the, the three of us would have the best time we actually. Would. Yeah, totally. we're going to when she's back from India, we'll make it happen. That would be so fun. I yeah. Love that. Oh, I love this community so much. My heart is so full right now. <laughs> I know, me too. This was so much fun. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, oh my gosh, thanks for having me. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for hours more. Yeah, it's this definitely won't be the first first podcast we'll do, yeah. or the last podcast we'll do. Yeah, this won't be the first <laughs> I one. I <laughs> <laughs> This is not coming out. <laughs> yeah, we'll do more. Thank you guys so much for listening. Love your friend Sion. And Ella.